I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. We are talking about the remote design house in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This episode features a tremendous talent and an incredible friend and a remarkable room that I'm absolutely thrilled to share with you, designed by John McLean. <laughs> In the last episode of the show featuring this new design house project in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you heard about and from designer Gail Davis. This episode features John McLean and his work on Rose's Room. First, a reminder about this project. So the pandemic created a forced shelter in place, which affected home and office design more than most other industries, I would say. The core ideas of both home and office have changed forever, and rightfully so. At the same time, the very nature of what architects and designers do hasn't really changed at all, while their means, methods, processes, and procedures certainly have. The remote nature of this design house is in direct response to designers responding to clients that they could not see in person at the time. And for those who have left their current city or state, but love their designer and want to remain with them, this is the the core concept that you can work with a designer who's anywhere and the designer doesn't necessarily need to come to you. If I live in Los Angeles and move to Aspen, which would be really nice, wouldn't it? I might want my designer to work on my project, but if my designer doesn't know how to work remotely or virtually, that can and will be a problem. Remote design is the practice of working in one place on a project in another. Very simple. Virtual design is the process of working on a project that does not currently exist. Think of it as an idea without a physical embodiment. The Remote Design House Tulsa is a real project using real designers who will never physically step foot in the project house while they're working on it. If they want to come visit later, that's a different story. All the work is being done virtually and remotely with local trades and artisans doing the physical labor. This project will also not have tours, and there are no tickets, no events, no parties. No matter where you're listening to this, you will have access to the final project through videos, before and after segments, product features, and an intimate look at the project house, neighborhood, and city of Tulsa. As a side note, I was recently in Los Angeles for a design event. As I was telling many in the trade about the project, the most common response, believe it or not, was, quote unquote, ew, why Tulsa? I got that a lot. This has been a common response since I started planning this project in 2020. There is a, there's a visceral negative response to the idea of Oklahoma, I don't think it's Tulsa so much as it's Oklahoma, and I think it also is the Midwest. From many I have met in LA, New York, San Francisco, and the other, you know, high style design, quote unquote, design cities. My response is always the same. When was the last time you were in Tulsa? And what's really interesting about this is not a single person with that response has ever been to Tulsa, or in many cases, most cases, Sorry, almost all cases, they've never been to Oklahoma. So because of that, they wouldn't know how special the city actually is, which is exactly why it was selected over Austin, Nashville, St. Louis, Kansas City, Seattle, Denver, and others. Nothing against those cities. They're amazing, but everybody already knows that. 
Tulsa is very special. And over the next year, year and a half, two years, you're going to find out why. And this is another example of it. So if you want a refresher about who the family is, uh, go to the show notes and you can see for whom the family was designed. It's mentioned in Gail's episode. So if you want to go listen to the Gail Davis episode, the first one uh, covering the club room, you can hear the whole family. I'll save anyone who's heard it before from having to listen through it again. But suffice it to say, um, there is a very specific family that this project was designed for. So John McLean of John McLean Design is also a longtime friend and by far the most business savvy of designers I have met and work with today. Pair that with his tremendous talent and you have a complete design professional whose work stops those who love design in their tracks. John McLean is an accomplished interior designer, speaker, writer, just published his his new book, which I reviewed, and you can go check that out in the show notes as well. It's amazing, and you should get it. And he's an on-air contributor who has, who has turned his lifetime passion for interior design into an opportunity to do the same for others. As a young man, John's interest in creating beautiful spaces was sparked by his family's talent in home building and renovations. Soon, John began remodeling and redesigning home after home and combined a trade taught by his family with his natural aesthetic style and skill and ability. Shortly after his career launch, John appeared on HGTV and through his experience, his personality and his design perspective, he was able to find a larger audience and he was soon designing homes across the country. Next, John joined a prestigious interior design firm, furniture design company in Los Angeles. Here, John gained an appreciation for the sophisticated West Coast design style while collaborating on designs for many LA homes, including several celebrity clients. And John also fueled his passion for custom furniture design, learning the ins and outs of quality craftsmanship and unique designs, eventually leading to his own home furnishings company, John McLean Home. John McLean Design is a well-crafted blend of John's past design experience, education, and innovative forward thinking. John selected Rose's room, and he infused it with glamour, style, and a luxury that includes a functionality that allows for work, study, fun, games, dreaming, relaxing, growing, healing in a single space. It is so wonderful, and I, I'm just, I'm really thrilled to share this with you. Okay, so what comes first is... This is my first conversation with John prior to design. This is the initial walkthrough. And you're going to hear all about it right after this. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me 
And you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a, a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce inspired by the brilliance of northern european sauna technology and design a luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam if you want luxury you have one option it's thermosol check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials i'm I'm so excited about this this is rose's room this is your virtual walkthrough so i'm i'm your guy walk me through it um i have loaded up the measurements in the um, google drive so when you're ready those should all be there as far as what the measurements are. Um, so we're not talking specific measurements right now. If you need any additional measurements, you can totally let me know. Got it. Cool. Perfect. Okay. Where, where would you like me to start? I would like you to start at the very front door of the door and okay. just kind of lead me through. And then maybe okay. we can multitask as we go through. Cause I want to hear, I know I have a little bit of information about Rose, but I want to know a bit more about, what she's expecting out of the space and how much multifunction it seems that she's going to need in this small space. So I want to make sure that we give Rose the most function out of this room that's not okay. really set up to be, you know, necessarily functioning as such. Got it. Okay. So look, for sake of drama, we're, we're going through the door and everything. I love a drama. Okay, right? There's a drama moment right there, perfect. So now for the sake of, we have a little bit of furniture in here um, and really it's not set up, but the furniture's here basically to provide a frame of reference so that you can sort of see, this is a queen size bed. Um, the, I'll move the tripod here. So this is what, this is what we're working with. Um, wanted to be able just to give you some space. What, what a lot of people have asked me when doing remote and virtual stuff is a recording is that if something can put in the room, can be put in the room that sort of takes away all of the space and adds a frame of reference. Does that help you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it does a bit. You, I can see, I'm assuming this is a full size bed. It's a queen. It's a queen. See, there you go. That definitely helps. So, um, so a queen size bed, and then yeah, yeah, this helps. This it's very helpful to understand, and that's that's actually the wall that I was seeing the bed going on as well. You know, I don't, I'm not a feng shui expert, but I do like the bed facing the door and sort of that commanding they call it position. So I think that's a, actually the good spot for the bed. So yes, this does help. Well, I'll tell you what then. Let me walk you through, and then we can go back to back to a back to one, and you can tell me where you want me to zoom in and focus. All right. Okay. All right. So you walk in main area. This is the closet. The closet uh, is fairly deep. Sure is. Um, again, again, the measurements are all on there. Um, so you have a chance to see everything. I know um, before I forget, Josh, the only yeah. measurement I don't have that I couldn't see was the depth of the sort of foyer entryway part from the closet back to the front door. So that looked kind of like vestibule kind of a, yeah, that part. I didn't see that on there, but maybe I just overlooked it. Just the depth of the um, 
it is distinctly possible that if you didn't see it, I didn't put it on there. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go ahead and, uh, and okay. go back and check that. Yeah, absolutely. So as you continue in through the space, um, by the way, the drapery was in the house um, originally. Now, don't know what it is. Um, I can tell you that it's a, it seems to be a very high quality. Um, it's got blackouts on the back. Oh. Um, I don't know what the pattern is, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's really nice. It's not something I would normally pick, but I just thought I'd point it out. Um, I like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny you say, I noticed that. And they actually um, hung them in at the right height where I would hang them as well. So I think that part is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if you keep it or not. Um, seems a little dated, perhaps, but in the hands of a of, of a great designer, I don't know, like a John McClane, you know, someone does something amazing with something as part of the overall. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. just thought I would point that out. Yeah. Um, by the way, something else I noticed about the space that I don't know you may you may find of interest. It is completely over registered. <laughs> I did <laughs> one. <laughs> Two. All right. Wow. Three. <laughs> so, we are comfy yeah. in that room. We are comfy. I'm telling you, <laughs> airflow is not a problem. No circulation. Good. All right. All right. You, you, you good in the washroom? I'm good. All right. So turning back around, um, something that I think you might find of interest is the view from her room. So this is the view from her room wow. and that that is a sort of patio area nice. um yeah really natural so this is uh let's see west east uh east so this is southern facing sorry northern facing and then um you can also see pretty far down as well which is one of the benefits of this, you know, the, the benefit from, from the view from up here is pretty, it's pretty good. How great. It's like she's in a tree house. Yeah. It feels that way. It really does. Yeah. And then what I'm calling the escape window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Now. I see yeah. now. Yeah. You, yeah. You are. Yeah. That's those cafe curtains are killing me, though. Yikes. You know what? You're not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of thought went into this, though. I can tell. I can tell. And back in the yeah, day, yeah. it was probably yeah. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah. She yeah the, the, border, the border is, the, is equally troublesome. That gives me a big twitch in my neck, for sure. <laughs> that and the, the exposed. I, I'm a big proponent of covering exposed bulbs on recess cans and it's so simple these days just to try change the trim kit and i just i hate seeing the mechanics of up inside and the bath will uh register around the vent or the top of the light so i always prefer at the very least we i mean i prefer them to be smaller in an ideal world but at the very least they make so many options these days for trim kit so we will definitely change those out spend you know 20 bucks on a trim kit and that will feel fresh and clean and it will all be like one plane across the ceiling so that it doesn't have those little indentations where the lights are yeah and um interesting too the uh the light plan 
as you as you look at it. So you'll see that there are um, only three, right? There's only three. Yeah. There's only three, and there's no there's currently no light on the uh, on the fan. So um, there is there are definitely some lighting issues uh, in the room. It's funny. There's actually better light in the closet than there is in the bedroom. <laughs> but, but the uh, but the bathroom has a has a has a solid lighting plan set up in there. I mean, it's it's really strong in there. Uh, but again, the bedroom is it's a little lacking. Yeah, and you know, for me, um, it depends on how much the person loves the ceiling fan. I don't know if that's a necessity that needs to stay. If, if she loves the fan, um, we could do a, definitely do a decorative fixture. But I know some people are ceiling fans are non-negotiable in removing. So how does she feel about that? So here's the thing, and again, I'm I'm trying to orient myself west, east. South, north. Okay, so it is southern. It's southern facing, and um, the the heat in the summertime. It's really funny because you know we've been here now uh, in in Tulsa for a month now, and uh, it gets hot, it, it gets warm, and it gets muggy. And uh, the ceiling fan thus far have been incredibly valuable. Not so much just to just to as as a cooling agent itself, but uh, moving the moving the conditioned air around the space. She has three um, vents, so I don't know if she needs any, any more circulation. You know, it's 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 true, and it's funny too because I'm not sure why so many vents. Um, I think that one is probably heat, one is probably air, one has probably been changed since the original venting system. That's what I think. So one of them is like retrofitted. One of them is a newer version, and one was probably somehow the original system, and nobody capped it off. So, um, yeah. Well, it's know, really interesting. It's by the way, sorry to interrupt. It's funny you should say that because it's really interesting. Um, in doing in running traps on all the mechanical for the whole house, found a air conditioning vent outside. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to re respond to that. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, was there a chair nearby? Somebody wanted to be really comfortable as they set out. No. Okay. Okay. Then that was probably the one that was previous. The last one where somebody had to come in and fix everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that has been addressed. That's, <laughs> that's a, that's a first for me. I, I, and I thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. And it's funny because as I edit this together here, I'll show you a picture of it. Um, no rhyme, no reason. And so, you know, we even had an air conditioning expert come out to say, you know, why isn't, why isn't it pushing hard? It's like, well, you're conditioning the outside for one. Like, okay. We might want to fix that. So the simple fix was just to, just to cap it, you know, didn't remove it. Didn't, didn't, you know, go in, in depth on getting rid of it, but just, you know, just capped it off. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know what people are thinking and when they do things in the past. I have no idea. All I know is they leave the problems for all of us to come in and, and take care of later. Exactly. But that's the, that's the sign of a good designer. That's what good designers do, right? Yeah. We, we, yeah, we, we find air conditioning vents that extend to the outdoors and we take them away. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but back to the lighting. Um, on the lighting, I, I'm assuming that the color temperature is probably not the best either. So when we change those trim kits out, 
we can find the color temperature of the lighting is going to affect every single thing in that room. So not only can we make sure that it's brighter, we'll make sure that the, the color temperature is a good one for what she needs to do in that room, study, you know, live, sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. And put those babies on a dimmer too. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Everything goes on a dimmer. Um, yeah. And then, so like my initial thinking is, is, of course, the bed is, I think it should go on the wall where it's located, but the window placement's a bit awkward, which is typical in a, in a home that, you know, architects, unfortunately, don't consider the interiors as much as we do. So that window's a little awkward over there. So I'm, I'm just thinking something to add some drama to it. I'm wondering if we could even drape that entire back wall and literally just um, where the bed is and then extend it all the way across the wall from window to the other wall and then put the bed in the center probably two smaller nightstands that don't take up so much space. And then if we did a piece of art, we could actually extend it through the drapery opening, um, leave a little slit in the middle for the drapery, and we could actually put it on an arm, and the art would sit in front of the drapery right, right over the bed in that wall. Or we could do a really high dramatic bed as well with a large headboard that I, my point is we need to bring height to it because the room doesn't have very high ceilings. So I really want to elevate it as much as possible and uh you know make that make that feel a bit taller they're probably eight feet um, sure. it is what did i say on there i think it's i don't think it's exactly eight I, you're right about the height i want to say it's like seven nine or okay. seven ten yeah so um yeah you're you're absolutely right about that and i think um the border with the with the added molding there's that extra piece of molding that income that that goes around the border um i don't think that helps right now um, but I, you know, I'm kind of lost on the original intent. Um, but yeah, well, you know. I think for me to kind of minimize that, I would extend the paint wall color all the way up to that, that inside trim that's been added on there. So basically, again, this is just me thinking uh, out loud. I have to, I have yeah, to kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. On, um, uh, sleep on things a bit, but I would like the wall color to go all the way up and onto the ceiling and then just paint the interior of the ceiling portion from that little trim piece inward a different color. The room will feel really, really bigger than your eyes are going to go all Interesting. The way up. So, so keeping the original crown molding and keeping mm -hmm. that smaller molding, but instead of where it's red-ish, you're saying take the wall color all the way up to that and then a different, a different ceiling color. That's an interesting idea. Exactly. And I would do, a, I would on the ceiling color, it doesn't necessarily have to be white. I'm thinking if, let's say for the sake of conversation, we choose a gray for whatever for the wall. And then we go a little, um, two shades up on the paint chart. And then we go to the lighter shade of that color that we chose for the wall. We paint that ceiling part that color. So it almost feels like it's encapsulating you a bit rather than just typical white ceiling. And I think this is that opportunity. Yeah. That trim part doesn't bother me. The, the red or maroon or whatever that color is bothers me, but that part doesn't actually bother me as much because I feel like it's a, a somewhat true to the to the house and it is a you know an older historic home. So I, I I don't mind that. I think that we should definitely consider accentuating it, and that would be a way to play off the low ceilings and make them feel a bit taller. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have you been working at all with? Um with wall graphics, I feel like wall graphics are starting to become far more popular. And I'm curious if, you know, wall to wall, floor to ceiling, not necessarily wallpaper, it is wallpaper, but um, I've noticed a, a lot of companies are coming out on the market now with those, because <clears throat> you talked about adding drama 
you know, to one of the walls and adding height. I'm curious if, if you've been working at all with those. I haven't. Um, I'm pretty true to form with my wall covering, though. I love wall covering and I do put it on ceilings. And that's another option there as well is to actually put that on the ceiling. Um, one of my favorites is like a it's a beautiful, almost like a metallic grass cloth, for lack of a better word. And it's just beautiful. It's a very neutral but it, it really elevates the space and makes it feel, it's almost like you painted the ceiling in metallic paint color, but it's actually wall covering. So you don't have the issues with, you know, consistency and so forth. So that would be something that would work really, really well here. But no, I haven't done wall graphics. Um, I, I don't know that. I, I try to stay away from things that could be trendy-ish and, and rather than trending, like you and I have talked about before. So yep. I feel like that could converge on the trendy aspect of it. But wall covering, wallpaper, it's never... It's, I mean, the style of the paper, yes, but um, the paper itself, I, it's nothing that's going to go out of style. Yeah. Um, and then, so Rose's style would be, what would you describe it? Hold on. I lost you for a minute. <laughs> um, sorry, hang on one second. Um, so, you know, I think what's interesting is this is, this is the idea that a coastal kid moves to the Midwest, you know, high school age, um, into sports, into friends, into, um, you know, looking, I think what's interesting is in a lot of people that I've been speaking to with all of this movement and this migratory, the way that it's that's happening in real time is trying to find a sense of home in a place where you just got there and bringing a little bit of the glamor from the coast into the Midwest, because I will tell you something, um, and I'm surprised to, to be saying this, but it's true that my experience so far with the with the Midwest, I think once you leave Dallas, Texas and start heading up north, there's not a lot of glitz. There's not a lot of glamour. There's not a lot of high style. I find it interesting too, having done a little bit of the research, that while there is a very, there's a vibrant and and, you know, really talented design community in these cities, you know, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Kansas City, St. Louis, Missouri. There's not a lot of resources. There is no design center here. There are no there are no major showrooms here. And I think because of that, everything here, there's a lot of beige here, John. <laughs> if the if the if the Midwest had a color palette, it would be beige. Let's not even call beige a color, shall we? <laughs> Let's just well, take that off the color chart. That is another. That is definitely another conversation. But I. But I think to the point. And by and by the way, using beige, um, I, I saw I saw a designer friend, um, Jake Alexander, doing doing this monochromatic piece that was covered in in AD, and it was it was all you know with probably thirty different shades of beige worked mm -hmm. into this. Okay, um, you know it's an interesting idea it's one of the things that i think makes it so artistic but there has to be a difference to compare it to and the midwest is is very safe um it's it's very safe 
I think people also, it's about exposure to things and it's about, you know, we can see things in, like maybe they're not as exposed to other varieties of design necessarily, or maybe that's just what the comfort level is with everybody in that area. And that's what they want. I don't know that. I mean, definitely neutrals. I'm totally fine with if there's textures and pattern and all those things involved in it, but beige is, you know, that's just, uh, it's not a cop out for me, but it's a, it's a almost like let's replicate the same thing that we've done 20 times just because everybody else is doing it. And that's one thing I tell my clients and I tell everybody I talk to is what do you want? Don't worry about what you see in your neighbor's house, what you see in a magazine and God forbid what you see in a, in a catalog that comes in the mail, because this is all just being force fed down your throat. Try to really think about something new and different. And that's, what I do. And so many times I'll say something to a client and I'm saying, yeah, you know what, we should do this and I'll sketch it out. And they're like, well, show me a picture. And I'm like, I don't have a picture because it came out of my head. And that's what we are doing. That's why I'm here. That's why my team is here is because we are coming up with new things that we think will and could become mainstream one day. I mean, Modern Farmhouse had to start with one person saying, hey, let's do it. <laughs> now everybody's yeah. on board. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. And I think also to the point is, you know, particularly one of the reasons why we ideated this, this idea of a 17 year old in particular, is because there's, there's so many moving parts to this, moving from the coast to the Midwest, changing from a young adult to an adult. So there's the there's the tastes and patterns, you know, in the past, you'd have your, your, you know, a heartthrob or a movie poster on the wall. You'd have some imagery. You'd have some pictures. You'd have, you know, the, the colored LED lights <laughs> that outline every door that every 15-year-old in the country has, 15-year-old girl in the country has. Right. But, um, you know, you're, you're going also from, you know, having sports equipment hanging around the room to sort of a, a more uh, subtle uh a higher glamour, you know, factor, um, a much more educated palette. Um, and someone who's just, so the thing is trying to figure out what their style is, because now you've got someone whose friend group, who's, who's, whose frame of reference, which has been very, you know, exploratory on the coast and, and very adventurous and brave now moving to the Midwest where it's very subdued, very subtle. Um, it's, it's not as, as, um, exploratory. And I think that that provides an opportunity to, to really look at some different options, um, and try to figure out what's in the head of that particular individual. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean that you have to conform to, and you should not conform to the, what's going on exactly where you live. Someone should walk into your house or in this case, her room and say, oh my God, I've never seen that in anybody's house in the area, but I love it. It fits in with your personality, it fits with the style of the home and it just elevates what's already there. So I'm, conformity is a, one of those words that's a bad word to me. I don't like it when anybody does that. And I think that this is a good chance to, to move outside of that. Now I will say this functionality of course still has to play into this. So the functionality of, you know, uh, she is, has to sleep. She has to study. She needs a place to, you know, relax. So when I, when I look at a room like this and that is not necessarily so large, I almost look at it like 
I would a bigger space with zoning it off. So I, tr I would try to zone off certain areas, but then those areas that would zone off have to have multifunctional pieces in it. So for instance, a console table with a small drawer could double as a desk, right? And that could be a, a chair, a low, a chair with a low back could tuck right underneath it, maybe under that window facing the garden, which would be, which would be great. Um, so if we, for instance, if we did that entire back wall in drapery where the bed is, and then we did elevate the piece of art in front of it, I would do something simple with shades on the other window facing the garden and maybe even a dual shade, one that has some light filtering. And then the front shade could be room darkening so that she could sleep at night, but you're not gonna wanna hide that view. And maybe, maybe sometimes you don't want the full sunlight coming in, but you still wanna see the view. So that's where I like the, the dual shades always come in helpful, helpful there when you can do that. But, you know, I, and I, my gut is to keep everything as, as small as possible on that, around the bed. So like two, maybe, and I play with shapes a lot too. So maybe two cylindrical nightstands would be really cool on either side of the bed. Um, articulating wall lights are also really good in a room that doesn't have a lot of space because you want to keep that side space. If you have a small nightstand, you don't want to clutter it with a lamp. So we can maybe do a, a, a two articulating wall sconces on the wall that actually give reading lights on the side of the bed. And then the little study area could be under the window and you know, the garden provides inspiration for that. I also think that in a room like this, every space could be used. So she could be sitting on the bed, she could be sitting on the floor, you know, she could be pretty much sitting anywhere because of the room is not so large. So I always like to do, and I'm almost thinking it would be great for her as well, like a really thick plush rug, area rug, like not wall to wall, but pretty close, only because she could sit on the floor and study, she could have friends over, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that we can make every space comfortable and, and usable is my point. I, I, yeah, no, I totally get it. And I, I think your inst instincts are correct. A couple of other things that I would probably point out that, uh, you know, it's funny because walking it made me start to think about what Rose is doing and how she's living and what she's experiencing since, you know, since her family moved um, from, from New York to Tulsa. And, you know, some ideas are that she's got a lot of friends at home and she's going to want those friends to come and visit. And when those friends come and visit, unlike, you know, her mom and dad's friends, when they come or when family comes, they're going to stay in a guest suite. She's going to want her friends to stay in her room with her. So it and, you know, the idea that a teenage girl doesn't necessarily want to be around her family is probably not. Uh, a foreign concept and I don't think it's foreign in this case as well I also think though here's what's interesting and I'm this is more of a challenge to you as a designer the things that we learned during the pandemic those lessons we learned during the pandemic about studying and and homes having places for classrooms right there was this idea you know, that each room has to have a desk of its own to stay up in there. At the same time, we've also found ourselves separated into our individual spaces so much that I think a lot of the socialization has been lost in that. And to, to make it so that there are plenty of common areas where Rose can go study, um, to not necessarily have a desk and a bookshelf in the room, which is, which is counterintuitive, I think, but I think also it's a better use of space 
personally speaking, because when you're in your personal space and we're learning how to relax, we don't want to be in a space where you can live and work all the time. Sometimes you got to just shut your brain off. No, fair point. And I think that if she was, you know, CEO of a Fortune 500 company, it might be a little different working in your room. But since you're just doing homework, I don't know. For me, I always have to have, no matter, I can do certain, certain things in the public setting, like a coffee shop or even like, you know, in the, in the old days, a coffee shop. But even now, like in common areas of my home. But I don't know. There's always times for me where I need to steal away and have a yeah. private moment of work. So I don't know if it could yeah. just be that, could just be though that she's totally comfortable in doing that, you know, in, in bed or on a, you know, on a, on a bean bat or, you know, some kind of thing like that. It could just be that. I don't know. It could, we have to figure out what her personal instincts are with that. But I'm, I'm leery of saying, yes, you will be as productive sitting in at the bar in the kitchen as you would be, you know, writing a paper in your own room. That's my thinking behind that. But it's a personal choice as well. No, I think you're right. I, I absolutely think you're right. I think, by the way, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. I mean, I'm speaking for you, but I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges you as a designer face is not necessarily the usage of space, but the application of space to accomplish the usage. Um, that seems to me like a major, major challenge. It is. And, and the lines have totally blurred since quarantines and COVID and the lines have blurred tremendously since this all started. So yeah, it, it, it just, it, it, again, it's a comfort. Uh, for instance, we had a client where I designed an outside area for her kids to read and study in. And, and we literally did like a little, um, covered pergola with um, a relaxing chase lounge and two chairs and she wanted that for her kids so it's the personal choices that people are making now are just uh <laughs> thank you <laughs> those personal, are making me nuts yeah right no the personal choices that people are making now are totally different than what they were making two years ago and i think that we're all just again we're adapt. i hate that word but we're adapting to what works for us and uh you know, for instance, I bought a bigger house during the middle of quarantine. That was not necessarily the way everybody can go. But for me, it gives room to spread out and room to zone things out a, a bit more. So, you know, if Rose is comfortable in studying in a different way and doing some things in, in, in the public setting of the home, great. Um, I, I just always feel there's a time when there needs to be some privacy and, and, and you don't want to be hunched over all the time on your bed. You don't want to be sitting necessarily on the floor you know, on your computer all the time, you still need proper, you know, uh, places properly set up. So that's important to me, again, whether it's important for, for her or not, then that's what we have to decide. Yeah, no question about it. Um, and so I think that, you know, therein lies some of the, some of the major challenges. Do you have any other, any other questions? Um, I would like to know what is, going to be included is the mat is the mattress i'm sure that's staying right the one that she has now the one that's on the floor that's what's going to be used uh queen size mattress um okay. whether it's this one or another it'll be a queen box spring no box spring doesn't matter um uh it does not matter okay. i i think um yeah no i it doesn't really matter i think uh the preference would be not um, so that if the bed was higher, then there may be actually some functional space underneath it. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just 
curious. I'm just no, wondering. That's what I was thinking as well. Some people have to have a box spring for comfort. They require it. And some people don't. Like this goes back to the preferential situation. Some people are fine on a platform bed. And um, I was thinking the same thing. I think that there needs to be some storage underneath the bed. And, you know, this this uh friend spending the night situation there's not much real estate in this room so we have to figure out you know do do we do a trundle bed that comes out from underneath do we you know how often is it going to happen if it's not going to happen that often is the friend okay with literally a a blow-up mattress you know what i mean so it depends on how often this will happen because i've i've seen people build an entire uh guest room around a guest that comes two times a year and then the room is set up with a bed versus a sofa or anything that they would use on the daily basis so i think it comes down to you know literally how how often would somebody come to to visit and how close is she to this person and are they okay with you know temporarily bringing in a very a nice air mattress and they, there are nice air mattresses out there if it could be something that would be functional more like an upscale futon kind of situation where it could really just lay flat when it's being slept on and it could be it could sit up those those tend to take up less space on the floor so those tend to work out and 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 people hear the word futon and they freak out because they think it could be something tacky and it could be but there are really are nice ones out there too it's basically just a, a sofa that folds flat um so that could be another option too because again we're not going to know until we put this into CAD, until we start putting the actual pieces in the room, which is how I base everything as far as selection before we even start. So we'll take the dimensions you gave, put those into CAD, and then we can start moving those blocks around to figure out what will actually fit in there. Because the thing I don't want to do is compromise on the traffic paths around the room, because in, in, a, in any space, it's important, but especially in a tiny a space like that, where it's not tiny, but there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen in there um every single square inch has to be taken into consideration so i don't want someone to have to walk around a bed or a chair or anything a chest just to get to the bathroom um because those are things that are you know important to always keep those traffic paths open yep agree yeah. absolutely yeah. And, yeah, and that's it that i was going to ask you about process when you approach uh, uh, when you have a process like this when you approach something brand new you, you start, we've identified that you start with CAD, you get the measurements, you put it into CAD, you start moving blocks around. Where, then when do, you, when do you transition? When do you begin to focus on the creative? Well, I, I say, I mentioned CAD, that's actually part of the overall process. Our very, very first step is we have this consultation, which is what we're having now. And then I need some questions answered, to be honest with you, because I approach every design as a partnership not a dictatorship and so I never want to come in and just bulldoze someone because I can put my uh, expertise and my spin on it and my design experience into play but it's still that person's room so there is a process that we do where we sh we we create a folder whether it's on house or Pinterest whatever and we all upload things together and then those things help me get a direction as far as what we need to accomplish in the room. I have a questionnaire that will need to be answered. Um, so those things are, honestly, there's a steps that we need to do for this as well, because I really want to make sure that e even if it's just like 10 images at the very, at the very least, you know, I, it's something that gives a, uh, a direction for us. And then what I do is I create actually a project direction board and the project direction board is saying, Hey, here's what you found. 
here's our two cents that we've added into this. Let's see if this is how you feel this room should, the emotions and the feeling that it should evoke for you. So that's our project direction board where it's, it's basically a mood board of, um, you know, how the space would feel when they come into the space. Um, and then from there, we take all of that and then we start making actual selections. And then we start, you know, putting those pieces into the room. Cause I, you know, as a designer, I know where to go for the perfect, great, great quality side chair, you know, or the small little nightstand that's gonna be perfect in this space because I've seen it, you know, we're, we're inundated with all, all these different products. And so um, once I know the direction, I know exactly where to go. I always say, you know, 50% of design is knowing what to do and 50% is knowing where to find it. And it's, uh, I always tell my team, if you find something really, really good, don't forget where you found it. Keep, keep track of that. So, but yeah, so we take it from there, start putting the floor plan together. Then we have the big presentation which is all of that stuff that we would read upon the directions, the pieces that should be in the room, you know, and I would literally label out every single piece that should go into the room, bed, nightstand, you know, da, 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 da. Uh, and then that becomes sort of the inventory of the space. And then during the presentation, you know, we, uh, in virtual presentations, we do what we call design in the box. So we will send everything out, fabric samples, um, you know, any samples of uh, materials, metals, drawings, you know, that sort of thing. We'll send that out to the client and then we'll have a, a virtual meeting just like this where, you know, we're opening up the pretty stuff in the box and, and reviewing it together. Love it. Awesome. Okay. So next step is the questionnaire. Now, we've been working off of a Google Drive. So will mm -hmm. you then load the questionnaire up into the folder um, in, in the Google Drive? Uh, I can. It, we actually have it online um, either way. So, oh, even even better. Even yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I okay. one thing I've learned is I streamline my whole process. So I have my questionnaire yeah. online um, that I can send out. And then we, if it's a house board that we use, which is 99.9% .9 of the time what we use, then because I don't know if you've used house.com, but basically we'll create a board. Like if it's a multi-family, a multi-room home, we'll do a kitchen and dining room and then Every board, um, the person will upload, and the, you just create a quick profile in like two seconds, if nothing. But the images, whether it's from a magazine or whether it's from another website or whether it's from house.com, whatever, it's just like a Pinterest. So it's this kind of accumulation. So, um, and, the, and the cool part is you can type in like, you know what, I hate everything about this room, but I love that chair. And then that way I know what is being looked at. Because sometimes somebody will upload a photo and I'm like, oh my God, they love the whole room. And they're like, no, I hate everything, but I love the light fixture. You know, I, how am I supposed to know that? So, so that part's really important that we have that direction. Um, so it's a bit of homework on both sides. And then we'll, once we have that, we'll take that and then we start adding stuff to it as well. And then we extract certain parts of it and create the mood board or project direction board from there. Love it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I have a system, believe it or not. I do, I do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> but no, this was, this, was, this was helpful. This was really good. It gives me a better feel for the room. Uh, I will uh, get the questionnaire sent over to you and then we get that answered and then we'll create the board and we can start throwing things in there. And that'll be the start of it. Because, you know, the worst thing is when you assume that you know the best direction for a space and then you pull something that you feel is perfect and then the person that you're showing it to is like oh my god I would never put that color or that material in my in my house I can't believe you chose it so that's why this whole project direction board part fixes what could go wrong in the future you know so absolutely makes perfect sense all right perfect well right, then John. I think we're ready to roll then 
Love it. <laughs> Rose's room is underway. You are listening to Confo by Design and the remote design house Tulsa with designer John McLean and Rose's room. We'll be right back right after this. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic a history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. So by now, um, everyone has already heard about what a huge, gigantic John McClain fan I am. And as you and I have known each other for a lifetime, um, I, I have, I've seen your work. I've seen you work I've seen your process, which is why I was so excited to actually get an opportunity to work with you. We worked on, on Rose's room and the, the reminder for this, for whom this was designed, this is a high school senior. This is the idea, right? The idea is a high school senior transplant from New York City to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where, you know, family moved, opportunity to work remotely from a city like this. So you've got someone who is transplanted here who is used to a, I don't want to call it a, a, a New York aesthetic because I don't think it's a specific type, but a certain standard of, of living. And I think it's surprising that um, it's not a stranger here in Tulsa, but the way you designed this room, the way that you, or, and I want to walk through the whole thing um, and go into it. And I, I'm going to guide you if you don't mind because the first thing I wanted to ask you about was your thoughts and ideas and what you wanted to do to this space and what the feelings were that you wanted to wanted it to evoke. Well, you sort of just hit the nail on the head. You have to sort of bring that. I call it chic. Chic is like the, the perfect word to describe what the feeling we were trying to bring from 
someone who was transplanted from New York to a smaller city. Um, and also we will, we really wanted it to be layered as well. So layering was so important to us in this space and everything that we design with my firm always has a level of elegance to it. Um, you'll find a lot of brass, a lot of metallics, and we definitely wanted to bring those into it. But our process was to really make this room comfortable and make Rose feel as if she was living in an ultra chic apartment in the middle of Manhattan, but just happens to be living in Tulsa at the moment. I love that. And, and let's, let's talk about how you did that. And the first thing I wanted, I wanted to ask you about is this selection of wallpaper. Mm -hmm. and the material for the drapes. When I have learned a very valuable lesson and knowing you as long as I have, and the, and the lesson is you tell a designer, if you have a talented designer, you don't have to over-explain things. You can, you can say, here's what I want. And then you've got to, you've got to employ this, this element of trust. And when I first saw the wallpaper and the drapes. Now, mind you, I am not a designer. I am, I'm a huge fan of, um, but it was like, wow, I don't know how this is going to work together. But the lesson was you let the professionals do their job and these work together seamlessly, like exquisite. I, I love I love the fact that there is this geometric wall covering on all of the walls because number one, I always feel a bedroom should encapsulate you. It should be this cozy feeling. I even like bedrooms to be, you know, of course they should be sexy to some extent, but I love it when a bedroom sort of wraps its arms around you. And that's exactly what wall covering and wallpaper does to a space, any space. But in this bedroom, you have this kind of beautiful art deco-ish geometric pattern on the wallpaper, but then we softened it with these drapery panels that has the fabric that is so amazing. Um, I, Josh, am I still recording? Sorry, I screwed you up there. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but you then you have this fabric on the draperies that is so amazing. So the juxtaposition of the pattern on the drapery with the pattern on the wall covering they really work well together. So this room is sort of a play on patterns, if you will, because you have all of the patterns surrounding you in the space, but you need other elements to break that up. And we did that with the drapery, with the furniture and all the other pieces in the room. So yeah, the drapery is luscious. It's so gorgeous. It is. And the other thing that I wanted to, to mention here is so funny because there are things you can see there are things you can feel. And sometimes we're doing this as a, as a, you know, it's a remote design house project. So if you're viewing this, if you're listening to this, you're not here. So we're explaining it through. Sometimes it's a little harder, but I've learned through the podcast that this, this idea of storytelling design really is just so much fun. Now, one of the things I wanted to, to kind of dig deep a little bit, your texture. So this wallpaper, is almost like a grass cloth. It is, it is super thick and you can feel it and you can feel the texture, the drapery, the, that material. It's like that crushed velvet. It's just, it, you just want to wrap it up and sleep in it. I mean, it's just that amazing feel. You've got the, the texture in the rug, what, the two rugs actually, because of the layered, the boucle uh, cloud chair. You've got the, the texture of the throws, two of them. You've got the texture of that 
that dresser. I mean, the textures in this space, the depth of it is just astounding. Thank you. Yeah. And that's exactly what my team and I wanted to do. We, we again, we love layering different elements in a room. And this room, even though it's a smaller space, I hope that it shows everyone else that you can definitely still layer even in a smaller space. So you start with the foundation of the wall covering. And FYI, most of the wall covering that we choose is wall covering that I want people to walk up to and touch because it is, it is whether it's just for the beauty or whether it's just for the fact that they're, they're wondering if there's some actual texture on it. I encourage wallpaper that brings people to touch it. So most of our wallpaper does have texture on it. And so that wall covering was where the room sort of bounced off from. But yeah, everything in the space is designed is for the senses. Design is where it should excite your eyes. It should excite um, your your hands and your touch and, and the hand of everything. So the room definitely, definitely does that um, all around the space. Something else we did in the space too was we always like to mix design genres and there's a little bit of um, contemporary. There's a little bit of traditional. Um, there's a, the, some hand hewn wood from the side table that you had made. So all these things blend together to really make a room very special. And I think that's just where design is these days is by blending all of those elements together into one beautifully cohesive space. Well, let's, let's also dive, dive down a little bit on that one too, because I think the the skill the service the hand holding of a of a good designer is is more valuable than than what one is paying for it and i and you you mentioned the console and I'll, the story with the console is real simple and you know it's not it's not an unusual one these days um, the console that was specified beautiful product. And it was, you know, it was like a, it was like a $2,000 console, which was specified. And we got a, we got a, a quote for shipping to Tulsa of $5,000. So <laughs> the, it was basically $7,000 for a $2,000 console. And, and the, the thought was that is not in the design house budget. <laughs> that is just <laughs> not going to fly. Um, so what we did was something that you know, and again, working working with you and your team is just amazing because it's like, look, found a local artisan, not even a workroom, like a local artisan who does things with wood and epoxy and um, just some amazing, um, an amazing local furniture maker in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who pulled um, who pulled maple from the land of green country. You know, the the um, the root ball that this sits on was actually pulled out of the Arkansas river. This was, this is locally sourced. It was locally made. It was made from you know, nothing here is uh, is a raw material. It was, it was all recycled, repurposed, reused. And I think that um, it just, now I don't, it, it, I don't think that it would work the way that it does were it not styled the way that John McClain design styles it. You've got this, you've got this organic material. You've got this, this kind of like a, a very back to earth kind of feel of this particular piece in something that is so ultra luxe and cushy. You've got this poof right in front of it that instead of a, instead of a, a desk chair that just not only does it make the space work, but it also makes it so incredibly comfortable. And, um, you know, you look at it against 
And nothing is too precious in that room either, right? Like nothing is so precious that you are afraid of spilling something on or you're worried about damaging it. And I think that's important for a teenager's room and for, frankly, even for my room <laughs> because we're all, we all get a little messy. So I love things that are durable, but still beautiful. And that's exactly what everything is, even down to the area rugs and everything else in the space. Every, nothing is so off limits that you can't sit down on the floor and do your homework or pull the ottoman over to the console and do a little bit of computer work. And in a space like this, it does have to be multifunctional, which is why the side table is also a, a storage dresser. And then, as you mentioned, the ottoman and the poof can be pulled over as a chair or it can just kind of be put into the corner by itself. So I encourage everyone when they're doing a small space, think multifunction and think about how one piece might perform in many different ways. And that's exactly what happened in this room. And it turned out great. Now, that being said, every, every, every piece in a small space does have to be considered. So there is a, a certain level of design magic, I feel, that comes into play when someone who has done it before understands how that works. So um, there is that part of it. You can't just ignore the design aspect of it. But I love, I love a room where you know, everything can be dual purpose or even and multi-purpose, multiple purposes. Yeah. And that's the next thing is the space planning. Again, this is not, this is not a big space yet. You packed so much into this. You have a seating area where the chair is, and then you've got a table with a, you know, the chandelier is just kind of like this. Wow. Moment. The, the second you walk in, it's like, okay, we're serious. There's no plan around here. <laughs> and we are, you know, but I, I also, I also too feel that every room should have a, oh my God, focal point to it. And that is exactly what that chandelier does in this space. It really does. You walk in and there, there's like a mouth drop moment where you're like, okay, this is very, this is, this room is very serious. It's very real. As you said, we're not playing in this space. And, and I think that the chandelier does that. Perfectly. And, and a lot of people are timid to put such a large light fixture in a smaller space. I say go for it. I love an oversized light fixture in a smaller room. I actually think the scale of it brings the entire room and makes it feel just a little bit bigger even. So yeah, focal points, focal, focal art, focal walls, everything else like that, light fixtures, they're just magic in a small space. Yeah. And I, I love the, and by the way, just taking a step back, um, anyone who is interested in the, the product's that went into this, check the show notes because we have them there from the York wall coverings to the left bank art. So from the, from the York wall coverings to the chandelier to, you know, even the, the local uh, piece. And I was going to ask you if you're finding yourself going out of market to workrooms and to have individuals making pieces um, that, that maybe you go a little bit further out, but you're, you're working with people who are true artisans that aren't, you know, that haven't been so completely enveloped in what's going on lately in the bigger markets. Yeah, we are. And, and frankly, we've always done that to a certain extent as a firm, because I feel there's, like you were saying, there's a certain level, there's a certain skill that you get when something is artisan made or bench made. So you understand the fact that, oh my God, one person made this or a group of people made that. So we always did that. But then I will tell you this, when the pandemic hit, we had no choice but to do that. We literally had to, you know, reach our arms out to everywhere. And even from the local sources, we had to even go further than that to different cities outside of our areas only because they were either backed up or didn't have enough supplies. So I, I, I always will 
purchase local if possible from someone who I know does a great job and really maybe it's a family owned business. I, I will do that if possible. And I, I feel like we you know with Etsy and all of the different options out there now, the, the general consumer can also do that too. And we're from that Amazon age, right? Where we just want to click a button and have it arrive on our doorstep. And I really wish that people would just stop and, and spend a bit more time, especially when it comes to bringing things into their home and really think about things that are special and, and find those true artisans like that. It's, it's just critical to, to keeping the economy going for them as well. And not only, so it's not just that, but it's also the manner in which you layered. You're layering in this space. And again, I, I, I've said, we've had this conversation where I've, I've said, you know, it's one thing for someone to have a huge budget and a huge space. I mean, it still shows talent and skill and ability, but it's not really as challenging as trying to take a small space and make it speak at the same volume. Right. And one of the things that I think you've done here is through your layering, through the accessorizing, which I think is it fair to say that the accessorizing all starts around the stiletto? <laughs> Doesn't everything start around a stiletto? I mean, come on. Yes, absolutely. The stiletto is the piece de resistance of our accessories. Absolutely. No shame in our game. <laughs> None. Was that, but it's interesting. Was that also like the piece upon which you launched the rest of this idea? You know, we, we love having fun with accessories and sort of kind of pushing the boundaries with them a little bit, especially for clients who are timid. Not that this was a timid situation, but some clients are afraid of doing things a little more punchier. So, yeah, we we, we started with the with the stiletto and kind of had fun from there. So you'll have brass accents around the room and different things like that. But, yeah, there should always be that one fun piece, you know, something I always put a cookie jar, a fun cookie jar in a kitchen when I design as well. And, and Heather on my team does a fun um, display for pods in a laundry room. So we all have our like fun little thing we do with accessories. And uh, yeah, might I say accessories are our superpower, perhaps? I'm pretty sure accessorizing is our superpower. <laughs> you know what? I, I would not doubt that at all. I would, I would say that. And isn't it interesting too, because it's, I feel like accessorizing is one of the most overlooked parts of, of design. Yeah, it really is. And for someone like you, who is, uh, dare I say a maximalist, but also it's funny because you are, and we've talked about this, but not exclusively. There is a certain, you, you talk about the art of the edit yes. and the placing and then removing strategically. And I think that's what you found here. This isn't overly ornate. This is not overly accessorized. And I think there's a skill to that. Yeah. And, and also, and again, in a space that's multifunctional and a space that is smaller, even the accessories need to be um, particularly curated in that room. You can't just throw everything you have in there and expect it to work because you might need to move those accessories to do some work in on your computer or for homework. So every room that's multifunctional and every room in general, I always say this. A uh, tablescape or a bookshelf or a console, it should be a microcosm of what's in that entire room. So all the different elements that you see in the bigger picture of that room should also be represented in whatever vignette you have in um, on a table or on a side table or on a coffee table. 
The the last thing I will say about this, I mean, not the last thing, because I absolutely love this space and, and I could talk about it for, for days and weeks, and I'm sure we'll be at a panel at on at some point, you and I will be on stage talking about this. But um there were a couple of things, I mean, more than I can mention here, but some of the things that went into this that just really you have to think about it. And if you look about look at it, then you understand it the space planning, how there is a place for everything and each place has a purpose. It was, it was thought out that this is what this space was designed for. That's what this space was designed for. These are, this is how these spaces are to be utilized together. And if you think about it that way, um, it's, it's a flawless pattern within a, within a very small space. The second, the second thing is the lighting. Um, and the manner in which the lighting plan was was approached, you you have the you have the cans, which you know is great for for really lighting up the space. But then you've got that chandelier that you know solo just kind of speaks. It's a it's a it's a very interesting statement that it makes. And then you've got the lamps around the space, but also you've got this this amazing wallpaper. And the wall covering actually takes the light from the windows, uh, one of which is southern facing. And I think the manner, the the way that you kind of plan that out, you can't see it because you're not here, but it's amazing how the light bounces around the room because of the wallpaper, because of that chandelier. Um, even though it's a it's a it's a satin finish on those, it's still it just it bounces the light. It's really incredible. You know, when I first saw the room, when you first sent me photos of the room, there was nothing in the room, of course. And you could see from that, um, I think we even did a FaceTime, you could see the light, the amount of natural light that was coming in there. So that was something that we picked up on immediately. And we knew that whatever we put inside that space in the daytime from the natural daylight would definitely shine and sparkle and otherwise come to life. But, you know, there's times when it's dark and you still want it to be beautiful. And you've mentioned texture before. We, we even like texture to be shot out from our light fixtures too. So as the light filters through all of the different hanging elements from a chandelier, that also puts a texture on top of the different uh, textures in the room as well. So, so texture is really important. And, and back to the furniture plan and how we laid the space out, you'll notice like the side chair has no arms on it. So that can, you can sit in that chair, turn left, turn right. It doesn't take up a lot of visual weight because there are no arms. So multifunctional, you know, it comes into play in the entire room, but it also comes into to play with every individual piece as well. So that it can be moved around as you need it to be. But every, every bedroom should have a place to sit put on your shoes, you know, lay it, lay your outfits out for the next day, whatever. And then a place to do a little bit of work and then a place for storage. And of course, a spot to sleep in. So no matter where you go in this room, you can definitely utilize it to its fullest extent as a, as a bedroom. And, and congratulations, John, to you and your team. You guys absolutely crushed it, knocked it out of the park. Amazing. And you know what? Congratulations to you because I've I've never led someone through assessorizing via text messages and FaceTime. So I mean, you did it. You did you you put them exactly where we we asked you to. It looks great, and the flowers too. <laughs> Look, I follow instructions. Uh, and and can I just can I just say as as an aside, can I just tell you um, how much fun it was for me to be able to 
play designer for an afternoon. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know I didn't actually make any of the, any of the decisions, but just being able to do it. And, and, you know, when, when you say, Hey, go, go judge that a little bit, you know, it's like, okay, I can go, I can do that. Hey, I'm yeah. thinking about bringing you on to the team. You did such a great job. If you could, if you could, I was like, man, if he can do this remotely, what's he going to do in person? Like, this is insane. <laughs> oh, you're the best, man. Yeah, you're fun. the best. Great. John, great thank job. you, buddy. Thank, thank you, you, Josh. And enjoy the room. <laughs> there you go. John McLean. And I want you to notice a few things. John is absolutely resolute in his talent styles and abilities. That is not arrogant, nor is it cocky. John spends a great deal of time studying his craft. His knowledge base of materials, colors, and finishes is remarkable. Basically, John does the work, and it shows in his design. That is the superpower of the highest level designers that you will find today. It's just, it's amazing. That's what you don't see. You don't see all the work that they do in advance of the design. And that's what shows up. So it was amazing. And John, thank you. Thank you for having a full understanding of what's available, the performance, the time materials that went into this. Thank you for your, your understanding of the longevity of this idea. It, it, it was amazing. It was a joy to work with you. And, uh, and I love the space. And if you're listening, I, I, hope, I hope you do too. Because I think it came out just absolutely exquisite. Thank you to Convo by Design partners and sponsors. Thank you, Thermosol. Thank you, Design Hardware. Thank you, Moya Living. You're amazing partners, and I truly appreciate you. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and downloading the show. Thank you for your emails of support. Thank you for your emails uh, and, and social posts. Thank you for DMing me and suggesting guests to be a part of the show. I love your suggestions, I love your submissions, and um, keep them coming. Now more than ever, remember why you do what you do and for whom you do it. Be well. And until next week, take today first. Mm